Hi everybody, it's James Rudd, the Digital Media Editor at Heart, and welcome to part two of an interview that I did with Dr. Hazel Wallace, otherwise known as the Food Medic. In this episode, we get more into exercise and cardiovascular health. If you didn't listen to part one, please do so. Go to your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever, and download part one to hear all about diet and cardiovascular disease and tips for a healthy lifestyle both for you and for your patients. I hope you enjoy the episode. Let's talk a little bit about physical activity, probably a less controversial area. Um, The recommendation in the US and and in Europe uh, and the UK seems to be around 30 minutes exercise uh, at least five times a week uh, and that's aimed to reduce both overall mortality and also heart disease and stroke. Um, Anything you'd like to to discuss about that, uh, Hazel, in terms of what kind of exercise is important, for example? Yeah, absolutely. I think, like we said, nutrition um, is poorly taught at medical school, but I very much doubt that anyone had had, has had any lectures on physical activity. And arguably, it's something that is just as important as, as food in terms of lifestyle prevention and the diseases that we face today, whether it's cardiovascular disease or, or cancer, but also across the board from dementia um, and Alzheimer's disease and depression. So I think it's really important to talk about it. And I think it's really, really important for doctors to feel comfortable talking about with their patients. So like you said, I think globally, it's really recommended as a rule of thumb 30 minutes a day, or that would be 50, 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. Um, and we've added in and two strength exercises per week into that recommendation now. And that's because we know that cardiovascular types of exercise, whether it's endurance running or or cycling or anything like that, that gets the heart rate up is very, offers different benefits to strength strength training um, in terms of their impact on the body. Um, The 30 minute rule or the 150 minutes is interesting because the reason that was picked is because there's a dose response relationship relationship between physical activity um, levels and all-cause mortality. And above 150 minutes, there seems to be what's judged as the up the best kind of health improvements um but the decision to recommend 150 minutes is not based on just the evidence but really it's a value judgment and um 150 minutes offers 25 percent risk reduction um which is considered substantial but if you look a bit closer at the graph and at the evidence um 90 minutes can offer 20% reduction and then even 60 minutes of exercise a week can offer, often offer 15% reduction. Is that reduction in mortality, Hazel? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all-cause mortality. Um, so not just looking at cardiovascular disease. Yeah. So even 15 minutes a day um, offers approximately, it's, a, it's 14 to 15% in risk reduction in all-cause mortality. And then any anything above that just kind of increases it to a certain point. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say is 150 minutes is the general recommendation, but we know that there's benefits from even 15 minutes a day onwards. And, you know, there's, there's an argument to be had that 150 minutes 
might seem like a lot for some people, particularly people who are very sedentary. And if they're starting from baseline zero and they need to get up to 150 minutes and that's what they've been told is where they're going to get the benefits, that might be unrealistic. And we know that most people aren't meeting that recommendation. But so I think personally, we should be just encouraging people to get moving for however long they can a week. And it should be happening in a stepwise fashion. You know, I think what doctors can do is just meet people where they're at, like you would with with anything. You're not going to start someone on the highest dose of a drug. You're going to, you know, bring them up in a stepwise fashion, see how they do, see if they've got any side effects, any problems, any issues. And then you can titrate it upwards. And I think that's what we should we should try with exercise because not everyone is fit and mobile or not everyone has access to a gym or a personal trainer. Um, I think anything's good, anything's better than, than baseline. Um, and although we mentioned minutes, I think the other, the other kind of number or rule people use is the 10,000 step rule, which is, which is interesting because some people meet 10,000 steps and they hardly know it, but it's it's the level of intensity that's important. So um, I think I'm not, it, it was one of the documentaries that Michael Mosley did and it was either, trust me, I'm a doctor or something like that, but they compared 10,000 steps um, to the Active 10 app. Are you familiar with that app? Yes, yes, I am. But yeah. for the audience, perhaps you could briefly describe it. Yeah, it's it's an app. I think it's kind of um, it's an NHS app anyway, but it encourages people to get active for 10 minutes a day. And um, they compared 10 th- people doing 10,000 steps to people doing the Active 10 app. But they did the Active 10, um, I think it was three times in the day. So it was just like short bursts of exercise. And actually what they found is those in the the kind of Active 10 group got greater results so even though they were moving less overall in terms of the distance they covered they were doing more uh, vigorous I guess exercise so they improved their fitness that way and that you know that wasn't a robust study by all means or anything but I think it's interesting because I put it back into context you know this 10,000 step rule has really I think it's come from a campaign in Japan from like the 1960s there's it's not it's not evidence-based it's just come from somewhere and it, yes it's a handy rule it's um it's good for people to work towards but I think people should have personalized goals um 10,000 steps for some person some people might be extremely unachievable for other people they might be doing that on their commute to work anyway so I think encouraging people to do kind of shorter bursts of of exercise may be you know a, a bit easier to achieve yeah, and especially if you can build it into your day or build it into your commute. Um, again, we had a paper recently that showed that people who just uh, walked to work had the, the highest uh, levels of fitness and the lowest levels of risk. But even stopping, you know, getting off the bus a couple of stops early or the train a couple of stations early, uh, you can get quite a lot of benefit just by doing uh, a park commute, uh, which really talks to your point of not having to do 10,000 steps a day or the or the full 150 minutes a week doing anything is 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 much better than nothing isn't it yeah i think so and i think in order on top of getting people to move more we also need to encourage people to sit less uh, and we sit a lot uh, now 
Um, and I don't think people are fully aware that even if they are meeting their physical activity recommendations, um, but they're spending, you know, 12 hours of the day sitting down, they're actually still at risk of multiple diseases, um, whether it's diabetes or heart disease. Um, and I think um, being sedentary is something we do need to also bring awareness to. It's just something that people, it's not really a the forefront of their mind um so like you said breaking up activity throughout the day might be a way that we can get around that um and whether that's 10 10 minutes of exercise at, at breakfast lunch and dinner um i think it could be a way that we could achieve that or just encouraging people to commute or stand up because anything that's not sitting or lying down is actually is is, is considered a form of activity yeah, I'm a slave to my Apple Watch, and that reminds me every hour to kind of move around, you know, for a couple of minutes, which uh, I must say it's very easy working uh, at a desk job, which I do uh, for about half of my time. I do research uh, just to sit at the computer and not to move, and uh, it's really useful to have that reminder. Yeah, I think so. And, I, you know, some someone I had on my podcast, I don't know if you listened to that one on lifestyle medicine, and we were just... I had two GPs on and we were discussing ways we can get patients active. And one of them um, suggested encouraging them to drink more water because then you're getting up and going to the toilet all the time and it encourages uh, movement throughout (laughs) the day. Um, Yeah. Another one of the GPs said that she leaves her bicycle helmet on the desk, even though she doesn't cycle to work as just a gentle nudge um, (laughs) to her patients when they come in the room. So, you know, there's ways and means. Absolutely, whatever works, whatever works. Um, and just just to finish off, uh, Hazel, do you think there is um, anything we we can do uh, for people who may be listening to this, who are involved in designing, you know, curricula for medical schools and and training of medical students? Um, do they need to get people like you in to 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 start giving lectures and and give you yet more uh, work to do? I mean, we do seem incredibly bad in the UK. I'm not sure what the situation is like in the US and Europe, but in terms of training medical students, giving them information about diet and exercise? Yeah, it's actually, um, you know, unfortunately, pretty, pretty terrible across the world. Um, But interestingly, the General Medical Council announced, I think in March, that they're partnering with the Association of Nutrition here in the UK. So we can expect, I'm not sure if it's as of this September, but definitely um, in the future, this you know, um, we will be having nutrition taught at medical school and that will be guided by nutritionists, which I think is really important because I don't think it's the role of of doctors to be teaching medical students because, as we've just said, we aren't as well equipped as nutrition scientists to be teaching in this. And like you would with any professor at any university, you want the best of the best. So I think it's really great that the the GMC are partnering with the AFN um it's just you know it's just the beginning unfortunately we probably won't see the results of that for another six years when those medical students are qualified and our doctors but what's really interesting and encouraging for me is that there's a lot of already qualified doctors who are taking it upon themselves to read a bit more to you know sign up to courses on whether it's nutrition or lifestyle medicine, which is quite a big movement here in the UK. Um, 
And it's not about, you know, becoming absolutely, you know, retraining, I guess, in nutrition or knowing it through and through, but really having a bit more of a general understanding so that they can signpost their patients. And again, I think sometimes dietitians and nutritionists can get a bit, um, I guess, <laughs> upset and, and at this movement because they they may be worried that doctors are trying to take their jobs. And it's not about that. I just think when we're outsourcing possibly or arguably one of the biggest risk factors to our health today, that that's poor diet. I think it's a no brainer that doctors at, at least have a foundation training in nutrition. And again, the same, I'd say the same to physical activity. There's not a lot when it comes to exercise that you need to to really train in you know it's most of us know the the kind of recommendations well I hope so but there's not the confidence isn't there most doctors don't have the confidence to prescribe exercise per se or it's not at the forefront of their mind because it's usually not in their toolbox of of kind of treatments but um one of the facts I love to say whenever I'm speaking to any any room of doctors is that the number needed to treat to get one patient to give smoking is is 50 to 100. The number needed to treat to get one patient physically active is one in 12. So we have a greater chance of getting people active than we do quitting smoking. And although both are <laughs> very important, I, I think it's interesting because it just shows that that patients are willing to listen to their doctors when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think both a good diet and, and exercise are in many cases more powerful than almost any drug that we have uh, for preventing uh, heart disease and cancer. So, uh, it, you know, it really is incumbent and beholden on us to, to, to learn more about it and also to pass it on to the next generation. Um, Hazel, I want to, to thank you uh, very much for for joining me and uh, where can people find out uh, more about what you do all of my work is under the food medic um on social media my website's thefoodmedic.co.uk and like i mentioned at the start i have a podcast on itunes and spotify which is also the food medic so that's really where you will find me thank you <laughs> and this, uh, i know your instagram is 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 very popular and you you post amazing pictures of uh, very healthy looking serious food that you make for yourself I mean does that take up lots of time is that something that uh, you can knock together before you start your shift as a doctor or how, how does that work are you making that all yourself <laughs> yeah um, I think it's become I'm uh, more habitual now I've been cooking probably since I started the food medic six years ago so I really enjoy it and I'm the type of person that will come home after shift and and actually enjoy cooking I know a lot of people don't um but for me it's quite therapeutic um and like I said now that I locum I do spend a lot of time working on the content whether that's recipe developing or um sharing informative articles and and researching and things like that so I, I do have a little bit more time than I did in, in my foundation year brilliant well <clears throat> certainly the book is is well worth a read and uh, some of the recipes there I found were actually only you know five or ten minutes to make which is uh, really really healthy and really handy so uh, thanks very much indeed uh, again Hazel no worries thank you